Hey, it's MMA Catfish, and tonight I was coming to talk to you about weed titties, and specifically Israel Adesanya and his floppy one titty from UFC 253. But I'm going to be honest, and I have recorded three or four different times on the intro section for this, and I just end up not liking where it's going. And so I'm going to shift gears a little bit and still going to talk about the weed titty because it really did open up a good conversation on Twitter amongst a large group of people. Um, But I think what I'm going to talk about more is PEDs, how I feel about them, how I feel about if we should accuse people of them or not. Um, and kind of go from there because, man, yeah, I don't know. I just, I kept trying to record this and I just didn't like it. And I just kept deleting it. And so I'm just going to move the fuck on and restart. So thanks. I appreciate you being with me here for it. Now, a lot of people have different thoughts on Israel Adesanya's weed titty. Um, from thoughts of... Like my boy, Daniel B. Hervey, who said, personally, I think it's more likely he was taking some sort of exogenous hormone and then smartly didn't take anything to come off of it, which led to amortization and titty. Essentially, yeah, he was taking steroids, he didn't take anything to stop from getting bitch tits, and he got bitch tits. And as Daniel points out, it's much easier to take PEDs and not get caught than it is to cycle off them properly and not get caught. That is true. Um, However, I'd also point out that in the current USADA landscape, it's definitely a lot harder to take PEDs and just not get caught, period, whether you cycle off properly or not. Um, Because they are testing for masking agents, they are testing for things like this. In fact, the first time... Also pointed out to me by Daniel, the first time John Jones failed, it was for clomiphene. Uh, Same for Brock Lesnar. And clomiphene is exactly what you would take if you were taking anabolic steroids and wanted to cycle off and not get bitch tits. That is exactly the higher level, uh, more scientific way to cycle your steroids and avoid long-term damage to your body because of it. And so... They got caught for that, even though they didn't get caught on actual anabolic steroids. Um, And then, you know, my homeboy, Bearded Stoner 88, weighed in and said, I say he's into some weird cosplay type shit and took too many estrogen pills or had a suction cup on that titty. I smoke a lot of pot and have man boobs, but because I'm fat. And his comment ties into the fact that after it was all said and done, Israel's excuse for it was that he uh, was told by doctors he smokes too much pot, but he's just going to keep on smoking pot. And I I will give him props for uh, approaching it head on, coming out with a statement and just like going really going at it. And that is certainly possible. You know, Bearded Stoner posted a uh, clip from a story that according to it, Smoking weed is the most common cause of gynecomastia. So that may actually be true. But then you look at the Diaz brothers who smoke a copious amount of weed and they don't have bitch tits. So it really has to make you question it. 
And I've certainly been in that camp too of questioning it as soon as I saw it during the fight. I was like, man, that's a little odd. Um, I feel like he's got a bitch tit. Uh, you know, but let's face it, he has not tested positive. And to me, that really says something when we're underneath the USADA testing regime because it is very, very strict. In fact, stricter than it should be if you really want to get down to it considering the sport that we're in and the likelihood that people are going to be using supplements from NCAPS at GNC and not being very careful about what they use and taking contaminated supplements, which in general is what we see a huge amount of the positive test being for, is contaminated supplements. So, on the topic of USADA, testing, steroids and MMA, and all of that, when I put out a request for feedback or questions, we ended up with a really long thread. And I want to thank everyone who took part in that thread because I really come to Twitter for interaction with people. Um, and it's one of the things that I love about MMA. So I want to say thanks to MMA Visual and Cyrus King. Charming Kitten 4 was in there. Congrats on that new baby, by the way. LT Speaks. Fight it with myself underscore pod or the fight with myself podcast that cuck Aaronish Jackson MMB by Milliken and uh, someone new but uh, it seems like he's going to be a cool dude uh, and I am now following him K Parish R um, everybody had a lot to say and I'm not going to read every single tweet um, but could basically Look at it this way. I'm going to start first with what Syria said, which is, what is it about Izzy that causes people to hate on his greatness? We literally have Tittygate, which I assume means he was juicing in people's minds. Yet the same, we're rooting for Costa, who is a dirty athlete, potentially. And I think this is a really good point on that subject, is, is that people were so eager to jump on this about Izzy, and I questioned it, but a lot of people really jumped all over him for it. When he's fighting a guy who were all resoundingly pretty much everyone assumes this juicing just hasn't been caught yet because Paulo Costa is just ripped similar to like we always thought that Brock Lesnar was cheating but he had never been caught right um Alistair Overeem going from a skinny little super tall twink to just being a fucking 300 pound massive beast because of quote-unquote horse meat until he finally got caught um and yeah, man, I think people hate on greatness because that's exactly why. They're hating on greatness because they are not that. And they wish that they were. And they know that they're not. And it's really easy to be a petty fuck online. Now, that segued into more conversation from MMA Visual saying that he doesn't think he's on roids. And he doesn't know what the titty was about, but he bets that he's clean. Um, and then, oh, there's another person I forgot to mention, um, Vic Nobu, uh, who I also really enjoy talking to. So, you know, Charming Kitten weighed in and said that, you know, it definitely was sus, and it is, totally is. Um, Vic's comment 
is on the classic Diaz line, um, which is that everyone is on steroids. And then he added, even if you like them. That brought us into kind of the train of thought about how do we feel about steroids. And Sirius um, said that he really doesn't care about them, and he's probably indifferent. MMA Visual also said he's pretty indifferent. Um, Bearded Stoner 88 um, said that, you know, he doesn't particularly care because steroids don't make you a good fighter or immune to a head kick. Now, it's true, steroids alone don't make you a good fighter, and they definitely don't make you immune to a head kick. But I think one thing that steroids do do is allow you to train harder and train longer and have an edge over people who are not using them. And so in that realm, that is where they definitely are performance enhancing. They just not just to make you look better getting off the bus. Or in the words of Chris Lieben when he tested hot, and I just wanted to look good at weigh in. Everybody else always has abs. So it's twofold, without a doubt. Simply doing steroids does not make you a better fighter, but it can potentially help that quite a bit. And it was pointed out in this thread about old TRT Vitor versus Dad Bod Vitor after TRT became illegal and USADA came along. And yeah, man, TRT is certainly going to allow him to recover way faster, train way longer, and put in a lot more work. He still has to put in the work, but it's going to allow him to do all of that, where maybe as you get older, it's definitely going to be harder, and you are not going to be as ripped, and you are not going to be as strong, and you are not going to be as fast, and all of those different aspects of it. So, I mean, it's kind of my thoughts on that. I think it's a good point, but at the same time, they definitely do help. Um, that segued us. Um, LT Speaks brought up a point, um, and this is more along the lines of me, where I really don't like steroids. If it's if we're if we're doing at least like the UFC does with USADA, I really don't like steroids. Um, he says on the opposite, I don't mind steroids being legal, but once you're in agreement that you won't take steroids, you're literally competing under different circumstances, and thus not the same sport. Morality is greatly amplified when you're in a sport that gives monetary bonuses. I would put on top of that, beyond the monetary bonuses of winning and losing in MMA, is the fact that you're punching other motherfuckers in the head. And we have seen Dada 5000 die in the ring and get brought back almost 100% assuredly because of steroids. And we lost Kimbo Slice because of steroids. And as a guy who used to be a fan of wrestling, so many of my childhood heroes have died from basically their hearts exploding in their 40s or 50s when that should not be happening because of steroid use. Um, And so, yeah, man, when we've all agreed not to take steroids, I have a real problem with it. Now, if you are somewhere where they don't care, like one championship, whatever, man, I don't give a fuck. If you are just the dude riding his mountain bike, I really don't give a fuck. Like, it's that's a totally different scenario. But 
when you're looking at the UFC, man, and people are getting punched in the face, and you've all made the agreement not to do it, I definitely don't think people should be doing it. And I don't think that's cool. Um, FWM underscore pod, Fight With Myself podcast, weighed in as well there and said that pretty much summed up his feelings, though he definitely makes allowances for certain people at certain times. And that's where, yeah, man, this is such a great issue in that there were a lot of times where it was just wild as shit, man. And people talk about over in the Pride Days with Japan where they were like, hey, what do you want? And just got it for everybody. And so I think that that's a totally different scenario and one that I don't blame people for. Um, It's a reality, and it just kind of, you know, uh, it, it is what it is in those situations. And I don't have a problem. I just really have a problem when we've agreed that we're in the UFC and we're under USADA and we're not going to fucking do them. As opposed to wink, wink, nod, nod. Hey, welcome to Bellator. We're going to come on Tuesday and give you a test. And anybody will be able to pass that test with the exception of Josh Barnett. Because he's the world's worst fucking cheater ever. And I mean like like the worst. Like he's the worst at cheating. Um, so, yeah. And that all of that brought us around to a side tangent from... Um, the new person that I mentioned, the K. Parrish R., uh, and he said, statistically, they have proven that fighters that come in overweight have more wins than fighters that pop for juice. So missing weight is actually a bigger performance enhancement. And MMA Milligan uh, popped in there and mentioned that Calvillo is a perfect example of that, which she definitely is. Of course, a lot more people get caught missing weight than get caught for steroids in general. Um, and one of the things that Kay Parrish mentioned was that, hey, everybody swears they're clean until they are caught. And even then, most of them still swear they're clean and say it's not true. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. Um and one of the side things that I wanted to talk about on this that that brought up for me was having a background in cycling where it was a huge problem. I don't ride road, but it was a huge problem with the Tour de France and all of that. And for the longest time, everyone said that Lance Armstrong was cheating, that he was doing blood doping, doing all of these different things. And but for the longest time, he never tested hot. And I just, I really struggle to say that someone is cheating, even Paulo Costa, to even say that Paulo Costa is, because he's been busted using an IV to rehydrate, but the guy clearly cuts a lot of weight. And so I'm going to say that cheating, it's a, it's a, it's a white lie versus a full on, right? Um, using an IV to rehydrate like that is definitely cheating, but it's not the same um, as PDs. And I just hesitate to label people as a steroid cheat until they've actually failed a test. And that being said, though, once they do fail a test, I will totally go fucking scorched earth on their ass. Um... However, I also think people can redeem themselves from it. And I think Cyborg is a good example of redeeming herself from that. Because Chris Cyborg failed a test and did her time, did her suspension, 
and then actually came to the UFC where the testing is harder. In the entire time that she was in the UFC, she didn't fail any USADA tests. She did have one time where she had to get a TUE granted to her after the fact. But it should be pointed out that this is way different than the picograms with John Jones. In that TUEs are very, very, very rarely granted in any sport. And prior to them just being given out for anyone in MMA for TRT, uh, very rare. And for USADA to give a TUE to her really shows that she was able to to put together a timeline of, see, here's when I went and saw my doctor, here's the actual problems I had going on, here's the prescription they gave me, and line out everything for it. And so, to me, she is the prime example of someone who cleaned up their act and deserves to be given a second chance. Um, same for Uberim or Overroid. In that, you know, we talked earlier about the horse meat and all of that, and then he definitely failed a test right away in the UFC. But now he's been tested like a bajillion times and hasn't come up hot again. And so it's possible that he's just gotten really good at cheating. Um, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because they're under strict ass fucking testing with USADA, man. Other sports are nearly as hardcore as USADA, and that's because they have unions that protect them from that uh, and keep them from being tested that much so that they can be James Harrison, who any Steelers fan who's telling you the truth would tell you they're absolutely certain that that dude was using all kinds of PDs, but he never got caught, so we're going to pretend it didn't happen because I'm just not going to bother with it. I guess it's, in a way, it's kind of my way of being a pussy about it and looking off to the side and ignoring it. That if they don't get caught, I'm just going to believe they're clean. End of story. And now, it's time for voicemails from listeners. What's up, Tad Daddy? This is Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. And you better not disrespect my king. I heard you were giving your thoughts on Izzy's weed titty. You better not disrespect you better not disrespect my king. That's all I have to say, dude. Anyway, I'm looking forward to the podcast. Much love. Hey, thanks, Juice. Always wonderful and amazing. The cuck that is Juice and Find It With Myself podcast. Yeah, man. Um, I knew you'd have something to say about Izzy and Weed Titty. Um, and, you know, I mean, I hope you like the podcast. I don't know how great it turned out. You know, I mentioned in the beginning that I kind of struggled in there. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll see where it goes. But in the end, yeah, no disrespect for me, man. Till he fails a test, not even saying he would, but I'm just saying. If he doesn't fail a test, I don't give a fuck. Um, but if you're going to have titties, at least make them even. That's, I am going to say that. If you're going to have titties, at least make them even. Catfishing with Ted Daddy, how are you doing? It's MMA by Milliken. My question is, you have your own original storyline. This is pure fiction, pure fiction, possibly even fantasy in this storyline, okay? This fictional fairy tale. Who is your hero and villain? If you had to choose from an MMA fighter, who would it be? Who would be your hero? Who would be your villain in this storyline? And uh, what would be the outcome? Take care. Have a good one. 
Oh, man, MMA by Milliken. Why you got to be messing with me like that? Uh, boy, well, I've got to say the hero for me in the story is going to be GSP because he's just my absolute favorite. There's not like the worst the guy has ever done is written a letter to a judge saying that a drug kingpin should get let out of prison early to be with his family. Uh, and like it's just amazing. Oh, he's so amazing. I love GSP. Athletic skill just through the fucking roof. Just the man. So he would definitely have to be my hero. Um, and then the villain. Gosh, you know, I feel like the biggest villain in MMA is John Jones because he's super talented, but fake as fuck. And just a giant piece of shit. So, like, he's kind of like the Joker of MMA. So he's definitely got to be the villain. And, I mean, maybe the storyline revolves around catching him cheating? Or, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, definitely in my story, GSP is the hero and John Jones is the villain. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. And the amazing Pete Bagels, or Bagels Pete, had two questions for me. Um, So his first question is, with politicians diving into sports, concussion talk, parentheses, do you see MMA getting attacked anytime soon? Um, Certainly it's possible. Andrew Yang, we know, uh, is looking to make a name for himself in politics and has a hard-on for MMA in a good way, I would throw out there as well. Because he really likes MMA. And he wants the fighters to be treated better. And he's tight with people like Leslie Smith. And those who are trying to get unionization efforts out there. And make a difference. Um, So is it possible? Yes. Do I see it actually happening? Probably not. And that is because MMA is still so fringe. It seems mainstream to those of us who are fans of it. But the reality is is that I come to Twitter because I have almost no one in real life to talk about MMA with. Certainly nobody that is as into it as I am. And no one to watch the fights with. Um, And so, yeah, you know, I think when you look at it and you're like, oh, here's this handful of athletes and even big people like McMally with his 10,000 followers... But yet, if you really break it down, he talks to a couple hundred, and a couple hundred talk to him. Um, So that's how small it is. So no, I don't think that politicians are really ever going to focus seriously on MMA, because it's just too fringe. It's not enough to get them attention, and to get them what they feed off of. Um, So, yeah, with Trump on his way out, and all of that... I just don't think so. No. But thank you. Uh, And the second question from him. (laughs) This one. I love this one. Um, He asked me, Do you think Arlovsky's chest hair gives him an advantage somehow? Remember the 04 Arlovsky and how dominant he was? Then he waxed and started getting waxed. Now, I had to go back and take a look at this and kind of think about it. And I was looking at Arlovsky's record. 
Um, and I am a massive Arlovsky fanboy. So I want to be really clear about that. And, you know, you look at him, he starts fighting, he takes his first professional fight in April of 1999. Man, and he lost it. Then he won four in a row, uh, including that last one, which was his first fight in the UFC. At UFC 28 against an Aaron Brink. Uh, then he lost in the next two fights, Rico Rodriguez and Pedro Hizo. Uh, that was in 2001 and 2002, which is kind of on track. I mean, he's a heavyweight. Uh, in 2000, he fought four times. So that was quite a lot. Uh, but then once in 2001, uh, twice in 2002, the loss to Pedro Hizo, and he beat Ian Freeman. That was at UFC's 36 and 40. So we're up to 2002. Uh, 2003, he beats Vladimir Metashenko by KO. Um, 2004, he beats some dude by punches. 2005, Tim Sylvia to win the interim UFC Heavyweight Championship. Um, then 2005, he defends it and was made the undisputed champion shortly after that. Um, again, 2003 times he was active back in the day. Man, three times he fought in 2005 at heavyweight and beat Tim Sylvia, Justin Ellers, and Paul Buentello, which, you know, I mean, there's no slouch back then. Um, then this is where it takes a turn. Man, why don't we lose twice in a row to Tim Sylvia? In 2006, he loses to Tim Sylvia to punches and then loses the unanimous decision to Tim Sylvia after that and, and loses... His belt and loses the chance to get it back. Ugh, such a shame. So you could say here's where he started. Maybe, maybe here's where he started to wax. Perhaps uh, Pete Bagels was off on the time frame. It was in 2006. Um, but then he goes on another good run. Man, he beats Marcio Marcio Cruz, Fabrizio Verdum, Jake O'Brien, Ben Rothwell, Roy Nelson. And here's where he left the UFC, went to Affliction and Elite XC. Um, all, a lot of those are names that we know, but none of them are, I mean, they're not world beaters, right? And then Fedor, oh, 2009, come on. He was winning that until they lost it. Fedor looked out of his depth. Fedor didn't have the reach to beat him and was definitely losing that fight. And then did what Fedor does and just fucking slept him with one punch. And that started a real downhill spiral. Um, and he started to wonder if his chin was going. Because he loses to a KO there. He gets TKO'd. He loses the unanimous decision. He gets KO'd again. Now finally, this is 2009, 2009, 2010, 2011. Finally, the end of 2011... He gets a win in Pro Elite, whatever the fuck that is, against some dude that doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Um, and then he beats Travis Fulton, um, who at least is a name that we all remember or know in general. Um, the Tim Sylvia fight again, uh, which was a no contest due to illegal soccer kicks. I vaguely remember that. He beats Devin Cole, beats Mike Hayes, and to me, this next loss is when things turned around for him, oddly enough, in a loss. Because he fought Anthony Rumble Johnson, the piece of shit that he is. But yet, in that fight, 
he didn't get knocked out. And Rumble hits hard as fuck. We all know that. He didn't get knocked out. But he got his jaw broke. And he finished the fight with a broken jaw. I think it was in the second or the third round. So he fought quite a bit of that fight with a broken jaw. Might have even been, I don't know, He got it was early. Finished that fight with a fucking broken jaw. And it seemed like, actually, his jaw healed and he came back stronger. Because at that point in time, being a fanboy, I was like, oh man, he's done. Like, he's getting knocked out a lot. It doesn't feel good. Not doing well. So, Arlovsky comes back, he beats Mike Kyle at an unanimous decision. Um, at World Series of Fighting 5. Then also 2013, he beat some dude in some fight night bullshit somewhere. Um, gets back in the UFC, split decision win over Brendan Schaub, fuck him. Uh, KO punch over Antonio Silva, beats Travis Brown, beats Frank Mir, then loses to Stipe, loses to Alistair Overeem, loses to Josh Barnett, loses to Francis Ngannou. Loses to Marcin Tybura. That one stung. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think he was going to. He shouldn't have lost to Marcin Tybura. That one stung. Um, beats Junior Albini. Beats Stefan Struve. Loses to Tia Tuavasi. Uh, loses to Shamil Abdurakimov. Nailed it. Um, no contest um, in a fight versus Walt Harris. Which originally, this is it, I didn't know this. Um, it was a split decision. I guess I forgot it. I don't know. Split decision win for Harris, but it was overturned because Harris tested positive for LGD4033, um, which is a, it's a SARM. Interesting. I didn't know that he had pissed hot. Um Probably a contaminated supplement. That's what a lot of times happens with SARMs. Um, but just an interesting side note in this conversation, this whole podcast has been about that uh, don't hear people hating on Walt Harris, even though he's pissed hot. Um, and Arlovsky lost again to some dude, Augusto Sakai. Actually, now nah, the name sounds familiar, but couldn't tell anything about him. Um, he beats Ben Rothwell. I mean, come on, it's fucking Ben Rothwell. Um, loses the Rosian strike, uh, beats Felipe Lenz, and then the recent win over Tanner Bozier, which was, uh, I mean, it was a solid fight for a guy his age with as many fights as he has and everything else, but it wasn't great. Um, so I don't know, I guess in the end, as much as I hate the fact that Pete Bagels is disparaging upon my boy, yeah, man. I mean, he's 30 and 19. I guess he needs to grow that chest hair back out. Although, it looks good with it waxed. Looks good with it waxed and his nose fixed. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess, guess that's the best I got on that. As always, you could find me on the Twitter machine at MMA Catfish. And, of course, let's not forget FMP. I'm out. Late.